History happened everywhere. The verdict. This is our after show podcast where we look back at the most recent episode. Episode 42, Santa Claus in New Zealand during 1776 to 2021. So if you haven't listened to that, go back, check it out, or else there will be spoilers ahead. You see, I'm greedy. I wear knee length socks so I can get more in. And welcome to History Happened Everywhere, The Verdict. My name is Ryan Weir, and I am here in the HHE studio with uh, the sparkly star topper on my festive tree. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Mr. Peter Goddard. Ho, 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 and season's greetings to you, Ryan. Ah. And he's History Happened Everywhere's dexterously devotional debutante. <laughs> <laughs> it's Judge Dursley. Humbug. How are you doing, Judge? Are you ready for Christmas? Are you full of joy? Funnily enough, no. How about you, Pete? Are you full of joy? I am absolutely packed with Christmas cheer, my friend. Is that because you're on leave from work? That's a big part of it, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I've hired three actors to visit Paul Dursley on Christmas Eve, dressed as various (laughs) uh, forms of Christmas past, present and future, see if we can't (laughs) put him in a more festive mood. (laughs) <laughs> I'm going to be the little orphan in the morning waiting outside that he'll throw open the window and say, get me a I goose. think you'll be about the most inappropriate tiny Tim ever. Massive Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> What's your favourite Christmas movie? <laughs> um, I... T- Really don't have one. You know what? We could make you into a Christmas movie. I feel like if anyone is at the beginning yeah. arc <laughs> of a, a Christmas film, it's it's Judge Dursley, don't you think? A very Dursley Christmas. Sitting in his armchair, oh, cold, back. like, you know, he's not willing to pay for the heating. He's drinking his brandy, yelling at the... Pa- passing at orphans. The, at, the pass, <laughs> at the carol singers at the door. You're going to have some turkey. You're going to have some cranberry sauce. I always fancied you for an eater of swan. Now, swan is supposed to taste horrible. It's supposed to be very fishy. Paul surely is the only person we know who is likely to have a goose on his table. Goose, it's one of those things, isn't it? It's got to be done just right. If If it's right, it's lovely. But if it's just off, it's horrible. Right, look, we've enough tish, tash, tosh, and flip and flap. It is time for us to move on to... I can't remember what what the episode was. This is really embarrassing, but I don't don't remember anything about it. Would it help if I gave you some sort of recap over the period of approximately 60 seconds? I I, I didn't want to ask, but if you wouldn't mind... I'll give it my best shot. Okay, right, well, if you wouldn't mind doing it, let's say... Now! I took Ryan down to the land of the Long White Cloud, New Zealand, the home of the Hobbit, Flight of the Concords, and about 50 million sheep. We surveyed the history of the country from being the last major landmass to be populated by people, through the arrival of Europeans bearing Bibles and muskets, right up to their independence, which no one was quite sure when or how it actually happened. We also tracked the history of Santa, from his two distinct origins in England and Turkey, to his arrival in New York, where over time he evolved into the happy fat fellow we know today, with a helping hand from Coca-Cola's advertising department. Kiwi comedian Jerry Christmas told us what a New Zealand Christmas looked like, Barbies on the beach and blazing summer weather, and we reviewed the history of Santa Down Under, including various unusual transport choices, such as canoe, parachute and elephant, and his development into a Maori Santa known as Hanakoko. And we played a Christmas game which, in an unprecedented development, Ryan actually won. That was last week's episode done. 
summarise nicely. Nice one, son. Now we're over to a young Dursley who's gonna tell you what he thought of me. He'll take you apart without any care. He's the lovely Paul Dursley. The lovely Paul Dursley. That's exactly right. I did win. You did win. You won five out of five. That's uh, statistically <laughs> unlikely, I think. Oh, very unlikely. <laughs> yes, I think you cheated. <laughs> Genuinely didn't. I've got to say, yeah. I was there. I witnessed every one of them. I had to carry my sack of coal home. <laughs> oh, was that? I thought you were going to beat him. With a <laughs> sack with of the birch rod. <laughs> no, I was going for the traditional lump of coal route, but uh, of course coal is quite hard to come by these days, so it was in <laughs> fact a smokeless fuel cube. <laughs> so what are you going to do with it now? <laughs> I guess I have a barbie when I get home. New Zealand style for Christmas. That'd be great. It sounds like a good idea, yes. So, Judge Dursley, why don't you give us the headline? What were your thoughts on episode 42? Oh, uh, not much. Nothing much new, was there, really? I think I knew most of it. Oh, really? So you were aware that Father Christmas and Santa Claus were quite different origins? Yes. We, we didn't know that, did we? We did not know. It's, well, yeah, it's, it's the sort of the Father Christmas is North European, Anglo-French, actually. Papa Noel is the French Father Christmas, exactly the same, obviously. And as, as you said, sort of green or a sort of a burgundy red was the colour that Father Christmas used to wear. As Ryan correctly said, sort of allusions back to the green man. I did say that, yeah. So, uh, Paul, was it a, uh, a wrapped-up present for you? Did you feel joy unwrapping your little parcel and hearing Pete's voice from your pod player peeping out? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> not, not really. Um, <laughs> it was a gift for you. It's not that easy to wrap it up and give it to somebody else, is it? No, it's not. Cannot re-gift our podcast if that's what you're trying to do. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I loved it, Pete. I thought it was a great episode and I really enjoyed it. Well, you've got lots of presents, so I'm I'm entirely... (laughs) I I have to say, I did not send Dursley any samples of these bits and pieces (gasps) we enjoyed because, of course, we ate them on the night. So I think that's why he's being uncharitable at this point. Oh, that's quite understandable because he didn't get the burger rings. He didn't get the burger rings. Well, I'm glad I didn't get that bananas thing. (laughs) A couple of perky bananas as we described ourselves <laughs> uh, actually on the subject of burger rings i have a story about burger rings that i forgot to tell you okay uh, which is from 2009 when a man named david waters he had a heart transplant okay he got the heart of an 18 year old boy called caden delaney right and he starts to crave burger rings after the surgery which he'd never had before he'd never <laughs> okay. really fancied them but uh he's like every day i'm like fancy a burger ring so then two years later the caden's family the donor of the heart get in touch with him and he says did, did caden like burger rings and that's all i seem to want to eat after my surgery and they said he ate them daily he only ate burger rings no he ate burger rings every day i don't think he only ate burger rings okay. but uh, nevertheless this craving for burger rings came with the heart it would uh-huh. seem because he had love for burger rings right there you go what do you think do you believe that story paul um, I'm trying to remember what a burger ring is. It's not a burger in a ring, is it? No. So these were the snacks, and they were like a corn-based circular snack, um, and they were um, burger rings. Steaky, meaty-flavoured. Burger-flavoured rings. Crunchy, delicious. Very crunchy. So do you believe the story? Do you think that a man who had a heart transplant can go from not loving burger rings or craving them to suddenly craving them because the person that he had the heart from craved them? Well, no is the simple answer to that. Right. Now, there may there may have been some suggestion 
Fancy burgering, mate. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? There was some suggestion. <laughs> he may have somehow known that this donor liked them. He may not have sort of consciously realised. Right, okay, you know, so some... you think somehow he picked up somewhere along the lines, maybe somebody mentioned it. Yeah, prob- probably. You know, maybe maybe when he was on the table, I don't know, in a catatonic state, those surgeons were talking about it. Probably stopped for a snack halfway through the surgery. <laughs> they were amazing. We enjoyed them. Genuinely, they were Especially very good. compared to the perky nana, yeah. uh, which I did say I hadn't found anything about, but I did actually read a little bit about Cadbury's in Australia and New Zealand in the early days. Oh, yeah. And they had one guy, one single solitary travelling salesman, mm. whose job, I guess, was to sell Cadbury's products around the place. And his his territory that he had to cover was all of New Zealand and all of Australia. So I can imagine right. this guy. What a travelling salesman that is. It's like, yeah, I've just got to cover a continent, basically, trying to sell banana chocolate snacks. Yeah, yeah well, you sort of think, well, Cadbury's is a British company, so if it was moderately nice, then surely they'd have introduced it into their biggest market. Oh, you'd think. In, uh, this was in 1881, was when Cadbury's chocolate first arrived in New Zealand. The Perky banana no no just cadbury's oh. chocolate at all i was gonna say that did not sound like the type of no confectionery they were selling in 1881 i'll tell you what i did like though the lemon drink oh that was really nice wasn't it lemon that, that, that did sound quite nice actually it really is i really highly recommend it It was very tasty it was like a, an ice cream soda or something it was just lemonade though wasn't it it didn't really taste of it lemon though no it had a, a less citricky flavor to it yeah for sure it was smoother yeah very much so just a nice sweet smooth taste peter i wasn't sent some to try Felt my great go down there, did you? <laughs> I literally heard it. Clunk. I literally just. <laughs> Paul, I'm going to send you one. I'll find one and I will send it to you. And you can let us know in the future what you thought. Of L and P. Yes. So the P the P is a brand, isn't it? So it's it's actually water, fizzy water. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah. So it could be lemon and Perrier. It could be. Yeah. So um, I also have to confess to having got something wrong in the episode. Uh oh. So you remember I talked about Samuel Marsden, who was the man who brought Christianity to New Zealand. I do. Yeah. And I said he did the first service as well, the first recorded Christmas service to the Maori yep. of the area. So anyway, you said, did they do the service in Maori? Yeah. Or did they do it in English? And I said, probably English because he'd only just got there and right. he'd, uh, not spent long there. But in actual fact, it turns out that he had a friend who was a Maori when he was living in Australia, which is where he was before. Okay. And he had, in fact, learned Maori. No way. So the Christmas service that they had, it followed the English book of prayer. So the service itself was almost certainly in English, but right. the sermon may well have been in Maori. So I did, I did Samuel Marsden wrong there by saying he wouldn't have done it. That's very cool. I tell you what, I don't know what Maori sounds like, so I'm going to play some right now. Ina kai pai pate tangata i tōwhare, ka pā hoki ngā paihana neke atu i te ruarau ki te katoa. Engari, mau tō kāinga e whakau wahikore. There you go. Yeah, because my previous reference was only the hacker, so it sounds really aggressive. Yeah. <laughs> the thing is, I didn't check what that audio says. So <laughs> <laughs> this could be awkward. Any, anyone who speaks Maori out there, why don't you just let us know? It's <laughs> something really offensive. Like, oops. <laughs> yeah.
Maori obviously came up a fair amount in the the podcast, although Christmas being a not a particularly Maori tradition, we mm-hmm. didn't focus on that culture. But I don't know, Paul, if you're familiar with it or have, is it a culture that interests you particularly? Y- yes, possibly not New Zealand Maori, but sort of the other Pacific Maoris, which are, of course, all related. Well, yes, they they sort of trailed down, didn't they? The Eastern Polynesians were the origins of the Maori and the first ones to settle, weren't they? Well, yes, I I think it was around about the Cook Islands and then they sort of dispersed across the whole of the enormous Pacific Ocean. I was really surprised by how late in the day it was. Yeah, I was surprised by how recent it was as well. And also that it wasn't related to Australia at all. We've got the Australian Aborigine people, but they're a completely different uh, route, if you like. Right. Well, yes, and and although they're very young, the Australian, Aboriginal. That's for about they're about forty thousand years ago, aren't they? Which mm. is young compared to other other continents. But then you you talk about New Zealand, and that's sort of an order of magnitude shorter as well. It's like the other day, week last Tuesday in population terms, isn't it? Well, yes, ab- ab- absolutely. Still, even then, if you had a boat and you were leaving Australia, heading out into the Pacific. And you're hoping to find an island, you know. There's uh, there's a lot of water out there. Well, yeah, I, I suppose there's there's yeah. you you live on a continental landmass that is three million square miles. It's surrounded by water. Are you going to go inland or are you going to go to the water? Or you live on a hundred square mile island surrounded by the Pacific Ocean? Which way will you go then? So it's almost a necessity. It's sort of the, but it was a. It's amazing, sort of the way that well, the technology or lack of that they used to use, mm. you know, outrigger canoes to navigate from one set of islands to the other. It's incredible. I mean, how brave well, they must have been. Well, they used to have maps as well that were sort of made with sticks woven together with patterns that sort of gave the patterns of the islands That's relating amazing. to the stars. On the subject of stars, the Southern Cross we talked about a little bit, didn't we? So, Crux Australis. I don't really know a lot about uh, astronomy and such. All I knew was it's a sort of indicator that you're in the Southern Hemisphere because it's a very bright constellation. But I don't know if, Paul, in your many travels, is this something you've come across? Have you seen it? Uh, yes, it's actually not that bright. It's it's sort of a bit like Ursa Minor. It's it's sort of you you hear about it and you think oh it's going to be really bright or whatever. And it's actually not. It's just because it happens to be in that position. Although the Southern Cross is close to it's it's not like Polaris, which is pretty close to the pole. So it's sort of the constellation itself, which is small, sort of encompasses it. So I had read that it was originally visible in the Northern Hemisphere and it, well not it moved, but there was some sort of relative movement that meant it's only visible from the Southern Hemisphere now. Would you care to explain that, Paul? Well, okay, okay. It's, it's possibly due to the precession of the equinoxes, which is, I think it's something like a 43,000 year cycle where if you think about a gyroscope and you set it spinning and you put it on, the axis will sort of start going around in a circle. So the point at the top will then start to go around in a circle. And that circle is called precession. And that actually happens to the Earth. But given the relative speed of the Earth and the size of the Earth, that precession is about 43,000 years. So it, the so the Earth shifted sufficiently through that spinning cycle. Well, effectively, I suppose you could say the it's spin, wobb- yeah, it's spin it's, cycle. <laughs> it's, it, it's, it's wobbling, effectively. So with that wobble, 
sometimes you could see a bit more of the southern sky or not. I would have thought it had to be quite a prominent woggle. Quite quite a big wobble to be able to see such a southerly constellation. I believe there's a particular tattoo, naval tattoo, that uh, traditionally indicates that you're a sailor who's crossed the equator. I can't remember what it was. I think it's a ship or something. Okay. Well, there there certainly used to be crossing the line ceremonies, didn't they, with the sort of the virgin crosses of the equator. And that sort of went went way on into the 50s, even in cruise liners. And certainly the people who went to Australia, you know, when they crossed the equator for the first time, they sort of used to dress up in silly clothes and get covered with foam and stuff (laughs) and be presented to King Neptune. That sounds great. Why don't we do that stuff now? It's a bit difficult on a plane. Well, I only hear problems. I don't hear solutions. I think every time you're on a plane, they should have an in-plane tattooist to right. <laughs> you cross the equator. Uh, who wants a turtle tattooed on them to show that they've crossed the line? I'd totally do that. That sounds <laughs> yeah. great. So, Peter, one of the more remarkable stories that you told during your episode, and that has stayed with me, frankly. Oh, I think I know which one this is. <laughs> Do you? <laughs> blown away by it. And not the elephant. Oh, not the elephant. Oh, not that's the elephant. what I thought you were going this for. Is, right? I bet you're going to do the, the finger of it's Santa. It's the finger of Santa. No. <laughs> I can't oh, get rid of the... beckoning, winking Santa. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. But you know what? You know how, like, I'm in a building with lots of lots of stories in it? Yes. With a rooftop? Yeah. I was thinking we could do a giant beckoning, winking Paul Dursley. <laughs> <laughs> Overgrowth the little come hither beckon. Yeah. <laughs> you did say winking, didn't you? Yes, winking. Yes. <laughs> people, people from miles around will come forth to witness the Croydon Dursley. The giant Dursley <laughs> beckoning them. You wouldn't want people to come to Croydon. You'd just sort of say, keep away, keep away. Oh, so it's you waving people off. a lighthouse. (laughs) Beware, this is Croydon. (laughs) Yeah, there are rocks here, moral rocks. Keep away. (laughs) I feel like maybe it would just be his middle finger, actually, knowing Paul (laughs) Dursley. Yes, we've reversed the mechanism. It's no longer beckoning. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but it was interesting though and it was it wasn't the only billboard or sign that you were you talked about you also mentioned there was a giant LMP drink sign wasn't there yes and a, a large seven meter high statue of a LMP bottle in the town of Piroa I wonder if this is a thing from New Zealand what giant things giant signs well I'm a big fan of giant things I, I'm a big believer in roadside attractions in the sort of the, the sort of thing you come across in long country roads and then you see a little sign saying the big ball of yarn. <laughs> oh yeah, world's biggest will, frying pan. I will always check one of those out. I'm a sucker for that stuff. Why wouldn't you? I know. Or a creepy waxworks is the other sort of <laughs> common thing found where someone's attempted to do a Madame Two Swords and has done something much more horrific and terrifying. Those tend to be unintentionally creepy, though, right? They're, oh yeah, they're, 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 they're done the with. Oh uh, yeah, conviction. you can see the the, the passion and ardent desire to it be good there and yet having come so far from that bar that they end up with these mangled looking people i love it it's like all these people who spend thousands on christmas lights for everything 
Christmas lights. That's true, you do. You see a lot of people who spend a, an absolute fortune decorating the outside of their houses. And they spend another fortune on running the electricity. I seem to remember that coming up before. It's somewhere called Candy Cane Lane, one particular street in one of our episodes, which in which the... Ooh, yes. You know, if I you're going to live there, you have to sign up to having your house decorated and you can't grinch it out and just go, no, I'm not going to bother this year. <laughs> grinch it out should become an expression, by the way. I love that. Well, that's another thing that I've I only heard of in the last few years. I think that's uh, the import, an American import large, isn't it? It's Dr. Seuss's rather marvellous The Grinch Stole Christmas. Did he steal Christmas or did he do something else to I'm going to dursley you here and say it's not Zeus, it's Zeiss. Dr. Zeiss, yeah. Oh, really? That's how you pronounce it, apparently. Okay. Just saying. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, (laughs) Judge Weir. Weir, yeah. (laughs) So the... Elephant, which you were so taken with in the previous episode. Yes, uh, I was, yeah. Santa on a parade, yeah. riding his traditional elephant. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then later we referenced that the Santa that took the flight to the, the Chatham Islands. Yes, on a seaplane. On a seaplane. Yeah. And I said it was because he couldn't take his elephants because the elephants can't swim. Yeah. But I am largely Elephants informed. swim very well, yes. There you go. That's what I was reliably informed. So <laughs> They're I, very good swimmers. Could they swim 500 miles to the nearest island, though? That seems a little stretch. With a man and a sack of presents on his back. Possibly, yes. Especially if they're wearing their trunks. <laughs> I I can remember a long while ago seeing a nature documentary where they put a camera under the water and you could see these elephants swimming. Yeah, cool. Did it look like you in the bath? No, because I don't have a snorkel or trunk even. <laughs> I'm not even, not even going to go Let's there. Just move on. <laughs> but talking of uh, Santas with animals, I thought a whale maybe, because you, you quizzed me on it and you said, what other kind of creature was it? Yeah, that was what do we think pulls his sleigh? That shocked me, that bit did. Which bit? The kiwi bird? No, you you using the word cetacean. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I have a vocabulary. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, no, I like that. Um, but I, 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 I've kind of been thinking about that as well. And I think actually a whale would be a great way for Santa to go around. Can you imagine eight whales pulling his water sleigh? That'd be great until they all dove down. <laughs> no! <laughs> thousand meters. <laughs> yeah. Yes, and don't forget dove is not a verb. And instead of a red-nosed reindeer at the front, would they have a, a narwhal? A narwhal, the red-nosed narwhal. <laughs> red horned narwhal. <laughs> Go flipper. Go fluke. Go Moby. Go breach. <laughs> I found it funny that they had that giant uh, kiwi pulling the sleigh, of course, because kiwis can't fly. Very ironic. Although they're always stealing stuff for their little sticky beaks. Sticky beak the kiwi. His little nostrils on the end of his beak. Yeah. <laughs> He 
Peter, is there anything that you want to disclaim before you are dragged in front of the court? I would like to make a plea that we don't let our Grinch-like, scroogey tendencies and understanding of Christmas get in the way of appreciation of what was otherwise an educational and fascinating episode. He's really desperate, Judge. I'm crying you can hear a little it. bit. You can I've hear got it in his voice. Tears in my eyes here. Please, I've got a wife and kids to support. <laughs> <laughs> the judge. Yes. Uh, well, I didn't learn very much, as I said, but I was pleased to learn that the Coca-Cola story was not all true. Yeah, yes. me too, actually. I was as well. I'd, I'd heard that many, many times myself. Yes. And I'd never really thought about it too much, but uh, I was delighted to find that it wasn't. Yeah, it, it was just the expansion of the idea yeah. more than any, more than any, anything else. So that, that's quite good. So that's a nice thing that you yeah. can, we can put people down when they say that. So I do want to say that I was very pleased to be able to relate, relate the story of the parachuting centre. I thought that was an absolutely lovely piece of uh, heroism on the part of the guy who not only crashes to the ground, yeah. limps into... To keep his beard, had to keep his beard on, <laughs> and he still manages to distribute the presents. I thought that was terrific. <laughs> so, um, Paul, I, I wanted to ask you: we had Father Christmas on our episode, Jared Christmas, the Kiwi comedian. I liked his Christmas greeting. <laughs> you felt some kindred spirit there, did you? I, I used to have that on a Christmas card. <laughs> <laughs> just one. You just send it to people with a please return. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I haven't sent Christmas cards for about 10 years now. That explains why I haven't got one. A totally pointless exercise. What, because you can just text somebody nowadays or send an email? Well, yes, and it makes it even more pointless, don't you think? You get you get a card and it says, like, to Mike from Ryan or to Paul from Ryan. And mm. you sort of think, well, thanks. You've just wasted money on a card, wasted money on a stamp to say nothing. Yeah, if, if you send a card, obviously you don't want a round robin of what Felicia and Pudenda have done in the last year. But you do want, you know, something to be to have a point. It's like writing a letter to somebody saying, hello. Goodbye. <laughs> Mr. Grinch, your heart's an empty hole. Your brain is full of spiders. You've got garlic in your soul, Mr. Grinch. So here we go. We're into it. This is happening. Let's let's uh, play the theme. Okay, here we are. It's cold in the court today. I'm sweating. You're sweating? Well, that's a sign of guilt. In the dock. Yeah. Will the defendant please rise? (coughs) Peter, in normal cases you enter a plea of innocent or guilty, but in this case I'm going to ask what grade you're going to plead for. I'm going to plead for a... I think I'm going to plead for a C+. A C plus. Yeah. Okay, Judge, did you hear and respect the uh, defendant's plea? Yes. Okay. Your Honour, may I respectfully ask for your ruling on factual content first? I will give... an A minus. Wow. Minus. You got an A. I think he's infected with the Christmas spirit. But, well, let's let's move quickly, swiftly on while he's in fine fettle. <laughs> uh, Your Honour, uh, I would ask most respectfully for a ruling on entertainment value. Uh, I, I will grant C plus. 
C plus for entertainment value, Pete. Go anywhere. Yeah. Okay. Let's move on to the next one, uh, Your Honour. Uh, I will now ask you for the judges factor, the Dursley factor. What is your ruling? Well, I'm afraid that I was unable to participate as I hadn't been sent some of the gifts. That's a rookie error on my part. So I'm afraid I'm going to have to win D for that. I'm surprised you got a D, (laughs) frankly. (laughs) D for the Dursley Factor. Your Honour, may we have a ruling for episode 42? The final verdict. Well, I can't give Pete what he asked for, can I? It's in your hands, Your Honour. Okay, I'll be nice and give him what he asked for. C plus. Whoa! See, sometimes it works, Pete. Thanks, Santa. (laughs) Santa Dursley. Father Christmas is here. This was the Christmas movie we were talking about, you see? The final act. Look outside, Ryan. It's snowing. (laughs) (laughs) Every time a gavel rings, an angel gets its wings. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. Um, Peter, I mean, surely you want to say something to the judge? I'd like to thank the judge for his due consideration and apologise for failing to send him burger rings and other goodies. And you will quickly remedy that, I imagine. Only as far as there is anything left. (laughs) (laughs) With caveats. (laughs) Um, Thank you, Your Honour. My pleasure. Okay, so that's the end of our Christmas special festive The Verdict. So now we turn our eyes and our attention, Peter, to what is episode 43 and the next episode of History Happened Everywhere. It is metal Mm -hmm. in Azerbaijan from 700 to 800 CE. And it's going to be mine, isn't it? It is going to be yours. Okay. But uh, we are, in fact, going to take a short break into the new year and we will be back with the Azerbaijan episode on the 20th of January. A short break? A short break. What am I going to do? Well, I think what you could do is not be left empty-handed. We wouldn't do that to the audience, would we? No. We will, in fact, be recording the special end-of-year quiz. The end-of-year quiz? The end-of-year quiz, which will be an episode, a special episode, review of the year, see what Ryan and I remember from our years (laughs) and dedicated research. Uh, We're both a little nervous about it, (laughs) not going to lie, but hopefully that will be fun with our loyal and excellent quiz master, the one and only Paul Dursley. Yes, I wish I hadn't agreed now. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that will be wrapped like a present and in your pod box next week. Hooray! Okay, so um, so that's it. So that's the show for this week. Thanks for listening, everyone. Uh, if you'd like to get in touch about any of the things that we've talked about on this show, or just to say hello, you can do that. And you can reach out to us on social media, through our website at hhepodcast.com, or by email at Ryan at hhepodcast.com. We love hearing from you guys, and you never know, you might end up featured on a future show. Mm, and one way to definitely feature on a future episode is to rate us and review us on Apple Podcasts. Social media-wise, if you're on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter, at Podcast is the name you want to be looking out for. And if you subscribe to us, you'll get an alert when we post one-minute animated HHE Bites. And that's right. So, basically, if you're celebrating Christmas, or winter solstice, or summer solstice, or 
Hanukkah or Festivus or Satanalia or Winterfall or Kwanzaa. <laughs> Basically, a history hound everywhere wishes you a happy festival from... What, well, what is Kwanzaa? I've never heard of it. Wait, what? You don't know what Kwanzaa is? I didn't know what Kwanzaa is. Well, you know. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I know, Ryan. Obviously, I know. But why, why, why don't you tell him? I, um, I know who should tell us. The lady of the internet. All right. Lady of the internet, what is Kwanzaa? Hello. This is the voice of the internet. Kwanzaa is a Swahili word that means first and signifies the first fruits of the harvest. Beginning December 26th and lasting for seven days, Kwanzaa is a celebration of community, family and culture for many people of African descent who live in America. Whichever festival you are celebrating, everyone at HHE wishes you a happy holiday. Thank you. All right, there you go. There you go. Oh, I thought it was a drink. <laughs> I have a double Kwanzaa and tonic, please. <laughs> yes, so the next episode will be the special quiz. But if you still can't get enough, or if you want to prepare, bone up on what we've said before, check out our back catalogue of shows, which are in your podcast app, in YouTube, or at the website, which is hhepodcast.com. All right, so that's it. There you go. It's a huge thank you to the judge himself. Thank you, Paul. Goodbye. Merry Christmas. Humbug. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you to you, Pete. Merry Christmas to you, Ryan. I guess all that's left to say is... You've been listening to... Paul, it's Christmas Eve. It's 1922, or whenever it was you were a child. War is over. <laughs> Everyone is happy. <laughs> you're lying in bed, you've, you've just brushed your teeth. You've said your prayers, and now you're lying there waiting for the jolly fat man to come give you your gifts. Your eyes open. Do you have Do you have a stocking on your bed, or is it downstairs? I'm afraid it used to be a pillowcase. <gasps> right. Oh, he's one of those. He was a pillowcase kind of guy. Crumbs. Okay, so the, was the pillowcase on your bed? It was when I woke up, yes, but it wasn't right. at night. Okay. Because my Santa. father used to put it there during the night. <gasps> oh, the magic of Santa, as Pete says. Are you an excitable little child? Well, as a child, I was, because it's all, it's all about the presents that you get right, given, isn't it? exactly. Were you grateful to, to, to Father Christmas? Of course not. <laughs> it really was the most tedious and cringeworthy two hours of my life.